Well, hello and welcome to the Theotivity Podcast. My name is Thaddeus. I'm so glad that you've joined me for this episode. You know, sometimes artists get a bad rap for, um, particularly male artists, sometimes get a bad rap for being artsy, right? And artsy is seen as an effeminate sort of quality, right? Uh, which I find quite, um, you know, just ironic because you look through the history books, right? At some of the great artists and so on. A lot of them men and a lot of them very masculine men who worked with their hands, who were um, strong and who led their families and so on. Actually, um, there's some great Christian artists who are men um, who stand out in history. So, you know, just by mere fact of being within the creative uh, field, whether you're a designer, um, like a 3D artist or a traditional artist um, or a musician or whatever it is, doesn't mean that manhood is irrelevant. It doesn't mean that artsiness is necessarily effeminate, right? And I think today's guest is going to be an interesting one for this podcast. It is Michael Foster, the author of It's Good to Be a Man. He's been such an a, a influence online and within different communities, within the evangelicalism and the reformed world, um, picking up the conversation about what is biblical manhood and what are some things that are maybe lacking in that sphere uh, in terms of how we communicate uh, the truths of the Bible about what God's design for the genders are. What is gendered piety? What is that about, right? What is biblical patriarchy? That's a word that's um, caused a lot of hullabaloo and a lot of confusion even around amongst people because, you know, that word patriarchy is, is now has a social stigma to it. So we're going to get into some of that in this episode. Let's roll that intro. The Theotivity Podcast. Theotivity is the place where theology and creativity come together. Here you'll find audio narration of articles, episodes exploring the faith, culture, the arts and media, systematic theology, apologetics, guest interviews with Christian thinkers, creatives, pastors, theologians, and much more. At Theotivity.com, you'll find articles and resources to help you grow in your faith, as well as a portfolio of creative works. Like, share, and subscribe to stay up to date on the latest content. All right, so Michael Foster, he is a pastor of East River Church in uh, Cincinnati or just outside of Cincinnati. And uh, he describes himself as a serial entrepreneur. He's also an author of the book, It's Good to Be a Man, and has been, you know, blessed with a beautiful wife and seven children and, you know, just doing life, being a faithful pastor in a local church. Uh, I'm so thankful that he come, he's uh, on this podcast to share a little bit of his insights and wisdom and talk a little bit about uh, the book and the waves that it's been making, maybe help some helpful clarifications on some misunderstandings. But without any further ado, here we are with Michael Foster. All right, Pastor Michael Foster, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I'm really glad to have you on the Theotivity podcast. Uh, how are you doing today, man? Doing good. Um, got a little bit of a cold, so Forgive the roughness of my voice. <laughs> Sorry, it gives a nice gruff uh, quality to the voice, right? There you go. Some gravitas, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly, man. Well, I'm so excited, man, to, to get into this conversation, to talk a little bit about, obviously, your book, It's Good to Be a Man, uh, but also some other topics that I just wanted to hear your feedback from. I'm sure that a lot of the listeners would like to hear a little bit of your uh, thoughts weighing in on some of these questions. Some of these questions, by the way, were sent in by some listeners, so I'm, nice. I'm happy to, to, to be able to you know, communicate these to you and to, to get your feedback. So let's jump in. Our first question, right, um, is, you know, it's good to be a man. It was released uh, around 2021, 2022, right? And I'm sure that you've gotten a lot of uh, feedback. I mean, if anyone's following your Twitter, uh, they, they see see that, you know, you've got a high engagement over the material of the book, both positive and negative. Uh, so looking sure. back now, you know, is there anything in, you know, that book, It's Good to Be a Man, that you wish you had written differently? or perhaps left out, or maybe even added in? Um, so we, the book went through some major revisions right before we turned in the final manuscript. We turned mm -hmm. in a, a draft manuscript to Canon, and they gave us some feedback. And um, I, was, um, I have an autoimmune disease, and I was really sick during the end of that. And uh, Nan uh, and I were talking late at night because he's in, um, he's in New Zealand. And so I would call him up and we'd talk over revisions and make suggestions. And, and so we ended up moving a lot of things around. One thing that we did accidentally is we moved the phrase clueless bastards to the early part of the book before we had explained what that meant. Hmm. So when people read it, they think like, we're just throwing that out there just like in a right. crass way. It's actually, it was from a, we just moved something from later in the book that we wanted to introduce. Um, 
and we forgot to explain it. And the mm-hmm. explanation comes later in the book. Yeah. Um, there's a few places where I have a hatred of adverbs. Mm. You know, son, is your room clean? Dad, it's mostly clean, which is to say it's not <laughs> clean, right? So adverbs yeah. are modifiers that usually weaken statements. Mm. There is a few places, though, that we should have put some adverbs just to clarify or weaken statements because um, mm. people will read it in a kind of wooden, literalistic fashion and mm. kind of run wild. And saying, well, if you say that, then that means this. And if that's true, then you must mean this, this, and that, right? And they'll, they'll come up with all these crazy things that yeah. you won't find anywhere in the book. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I would have probably emphasized the importance of the introduction, mm. you know, uh, because in the introduction, we're really clear that we're not trying to create an, an, an entire theology of manhood. We'd love to do that. Mm. But we're just trying to create a timely book to help people. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a book on how to get the girl or how to be a good husband. Um, or how to be a good father, but rather uh, how to start becoming a godly masculine man to the glory mm-hmm. of God. That was the goal of the book. Um, so a lot of the critiques I've seen is, you know, that we have a negative view of women. We don't even, we barely talk about women at all in the whole mm-hmm. book. And when mm-hmm. we do talk about them, we talk about them the same sense we talk about men. Mm-hmm. I think that's, um, so a lot of the critiques, I haven't really seen a critique that's hurt me yet. You know, uh, and I was looking forward for one because you want people to improve your thought, mm. right? Um, we're not, I'm not an apostle. This isn't scripture, right? Mm-hmm. The book is our thoughts, our reflection on scripture. People can improve us. Mm-hmm. And, um, but so far, a lot of it is just kind of really lame critiques. I do think uh, in terms of adding things into the book, I think I would have uh, put a little bit more on habit formation in the second mm. half of the book. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's something guys need a lot of help on. Yeah. And so as we're talking about developing um skill, strength, and workmanship, a big part of that is just habit. Guys, I mean, the way you get so good at things is this mundane, boring repetition. Mm. Right. And so there's books like Atomic Habits by James Clear. That's mm-hmm. a pretty good book, or Essentialism by by Greg McKeown. Those are books that have good content on it, but they're not Christian books. Mm-hmm. And as Christians, we should care about habits deeply because habits is just a, really another word for repeating disciplines. It's just mm-hmm. disciplines. Yeah. So those are some of the things. But most of the critiques I see, like, you know, I hear people say that we always think patriarchy is good or whatever. I'm like, you didn't read the book. That's like <laughs> the first page. We did yeah. that on purpose. We mm-hmm. knew I wanted a litmus test to find out if you read the book. Mm. You know, and then I'll have people say things like that we use crass language, that the sex being the engine of productivity is crass. Mm. Like how? Like we're, it's a metaphor using an engine talking about fo- sex as fire. The mm. scripture says if you take coals, you know, you'll, you'll yeah. be burned. Yeah. So I thought we were like very much in line with a lot of the scriptural metaphors there. Mm. Um, so, but, you know. Do you think... So, um, do you but, think that maybe points to like some of the biblical illiteracy that people aren't picking up on those, you know, s- scriptural metaphors and s- such to the point that you need to actually make it super explicit so that they make those connections? Because um, I think perhaps I agree, like some of those things I saw them, but then, you know, interacting with some guys who maybe read the book or even um, other you know, people outside of my, my, my networks who have seen their, their feedback. It's clear that, okay, you're not quite getting the metaphor that he's using here from scripture. Um, and perhaps it just speaks to just the typical malaise of biblical illiteracy that, that is in existence in the evangelical church today. People can't read. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, illiteracy across the board. So mm. it's not just that they don't know scripture. They don't understand. Like, for example, a lot of the critiques is because we use some heavily proverbial language. Mm. So proverbial language is... Um, uh, the, uh, the hands of the diligent makes rich. Mm. Oh, so everyone that's diligent will be rich. I know a diligent guy. He's not rich. Oh, yeah. what if he doesn't have hands? Mm. Right. Or so every poor person's lazy. Like that's mm. not what that proverb means. That's not how yeah. that language works. That kind of sounds and, like that, you know, the Jordan Peterson interview with that, that lady, she was always like interjecting, uh, was it Kathy Newman? I think it was. Yeah. Name? So you're yeah. saying, so you're, <laughs> so saying. you're saying that and just took it to like, it's absurd sort of uh, conclusion yeah hmm. yeah so absolutely so, so speak to a little bit of of this like because you know clearly the book has made waves right like uh it's it's made its rounds 
continuing to make some some ripples and stuff. And um, I think I'm seeing this happening, not just within this biblical patriarchy movement, but also like the secular sort of red pill movements, right? Uh, and they're gaining a lot of following guys like Jordan Peterson. I know you've, you've talked about him and, and other guys, right? Like Joe Rogan, et cetera. Um, why do you think that's happening? And like, you know, what would you say is the major difference that you'd want to distinguish yourself from, you know, um, biblical patriarchy and then these secular red pill movements? So why do you think sure. the, those two are, are picking up steam? So what I would say is, um, what I would say is that we never, so, all right, so what, let's do it this way. Um, egalitarianism is the idea that men and women are equal. Now, at one level, I don't disagree with that. Um, so I don't really disagree with men and women being equal if you mean that they're equally uh, made in the image of God, all that sort of stuff. Mm. But they're not the same, right? Complementarianism says that the sexes complement one another, which mm. very few, if anyone, disagrees with that. Very few feminists disagree with that. You know, only the most extreme. So I find it to be one, a, a really tedious word, um, but two, it uh, doesn't really solve anything. But yeah, do I believe that the sexes complement one another? I do. Um, but it's these roles aren't interchangeable and those roles flow from our nature, our masculine mm. nature, feminine nature, whatever, God-given nature, that mm. there's one race, right, mankind, two varieties, male, mm. female, and that variety is part of our huge, human nature yeah. that will uh, endure forever. So I don't mm -hmm. agree, I don't disagree with those statements. So you'll hear like when you, oh, so you, you disagree that men are equal. You're not an egalitarian. Mm -hmm. Well, there's more to that word than that, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, so you're not a complementarian, so you don't think men, men and women, well, no, that's, it's, I have a problem with how they limit the impact of sexuality to just a home and church and not mm -hmm. to the broader sphere of life and mm -hmm. how they don't really, uh, they tend not to connect it heavily to nature. Right. Um, so then take patriarchy. Do I believe that in father rule, in masculine rule, that men tend to hold, it's by God's design that men tend to hold the senior or highest positions of authority in a culture, um, church, home, and, and state? Yes. Does that mean every type of patriarchy I believe in is good? Uh, all patriarchy is in, uh, good? No, I don't. Um, Obviously, uh, Satan is the father of lies. He's a patriarch. Mm -hmm. And those that fo follow him or are like him are sons of the devil. Mm -hmm. So there's a sense where, yes, I'm egalitarian. Yes, I'm a complementarian. Yes, I'm patriarchal. Mm -hmm. um, but our book, we, the word we, I think we coined, I'm seeing people use it now. It was really Nan's idea, mm -hmm. but was a gendered piety. And we're just trying to say that the way you live a life of piety in honor of God is affected by your sexuality. Mm. Right. That never stops. You never stop being a man or woman. There's not these androgynous moments. Mm. Right. Like, well, that's just we're just talking about plumbing. No, no, we're not. Mm -hmm. But your plumbing's a big deal. Your hormonal, hormonal like uh, makeup is a really big deal. And mm. so we um, I point out to people, if you go to First Timothy, chapter two, people mm -hmm. always focus on women not being able to have authority there. OK, that's great. The scripture says that. I wish we had a verse like that on baptism. Right. That would end up. <laughs> I mean, if you want, that's like the clearest verse. No, you may not. Yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, anchored in the pre-fall creation, right? Mm -hmm. The created order um, and not over men, period, right? Mm -hmm. It's just very clear. Um, but if you go before, before that, uh, Paul is concerned about having an orderly worship service. And mm -hmm. he gives instructions to the men and then the women. To the men, he says, you need to lift up your hands in prayer without wrath and dissension, mm -hmm. right? Well, that makes a lot of sense. Men are more aggressive because we have more testosterone. Mm -hmm. um, we're kind of wired towards attack, uh, you know, protect, very protective, and, and we'll uh, use strength to do that. That can turn into violence, mm -hmm. and it can turn into wrath and dissension, argumentativeness. Then it goes to the women and says, hey, don't, be, don't interrupt and, and also um, dress in a modest way. Mm -hmm. Well, that makes sense, too. Women are very much concerned about their beauty. Mm. Right now, something that's kind of like, you're seeing this trend on Twitter a lot, where these girls go to um, gyms dressed almost naked, right? Mm. I mean, it's just crazy, and complain about guys looking at them. And there's one I saw this morning that she was almost complaining about the guy not looking at her, 
but that he was looking at other women. <laughs> I was like, goodness gracious, how can yeah. men win? But the yeah. point is women care about being beautiful. That's why they mm. buy all that makeup. We don't. That's why they put so much time into their, um, into their appearance. And there's nothing wrong with that mm. ordered properly. But what you see is when he's dealing with the worship service, he's dealing with masculine tendencies mm. and feminine tendencies. When you see um, uh, Paul caution women, one thing that comes up repeatedly with women that doesn't come up with men is slander and gossip. Mm. <clears throat> that makes a lot of sense. Women, first off, uh, tend to be linguistically uh, superior to men on whole, but certainly in their developmental process. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny, like I'll have a, my three-year-old son will be like, me want cheese, right? <laughs> and uh, my three-year-old girl will be like, Papa, will you please go get me a slice of, you know, pepper jack? <laughs> it's like, you know, like there's these little tiny kids talking yeah. in these like really complicated sentences just, oh, that makes total sense to me we have a little boy now like we just adopted a little baby yeah. boy and uh, he just grunts all the time just grunts 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 and then you know one of his peers who's you know one of our friends uh, kids who's a, a girl doesn't do that like she's not grunting and like you know making those 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 harsh kind of sounds so even like it seems like at a, a, a infant age you know there's this these distinctions even in communi communication but i think you're touching on something that's really uh, helpful and important uh, especially even from maybe guys who are coming out or or in a complementarian sort of uh, church or or network or or denomination or whatever, because I mean I think complementarianism brought some good stuff uh, for sure against sure, like yeah. the whole egalitarian you know um, evangelical feminism sort of movements that was happening. Um, but I think where it it maybe was a little bit weak in communicating the full fullness of uh, the Bible's truth is exactly what you're touching on, that our masculine natures are ontological, that wherever we go, we take it. And same thing for feminine nature, that wherever we go, um, you take that. So it's it's illogical to just only say that there's gendered piety, like you, you I love that term, um, only in the church and only in the family, because you're still a man out in society, in your job, in your workplace, in your school, in politics, and whatever it is. Uh, and same thing for women, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so what we're trying to do is help people reclaim some basic things, namely that the goodness mm -hmm. of our sexuality, it's good to be a man. It's so mm -hmm. funny uh, that someone said that um, title was controversial. Mm -hmm. And I actually chose that title for the, the ministry because I thought it wasn't controversial at the time. But, yeah. you know, slowly you realize that people look at sexuality or the sexes as a zero sum game. So mm -hmm. for it, it to be if it's good to be a man, then it must mean it's bad to be a woman. Right. If it's good to be a woman, then it must be um, bad to be a man. Mm -hmm. Well, that's that's not true at all. Um, it's good to be a man. It's good to be a woman. The sexes do work in concert together. Matter of fact, mm -hmm. that's the only way you can produce a life when it comes to a child. But that's the only way you can fulfill the creation mandate where God has called mm. us to fill this planet with his glory, right? Yeah. Through the glory mm -hmm. of image bearers, the more, uh, more uh, Christians praising him, and mm. then just doing um, all our work of dominion mm. uh, for, for his honor and praise out of a desire uh, to, to worship him in particular on the Lord's Day, but mm. then in all of life, you know. Yeah, it's interesting like to hear that from you that, you know, you chose that thinking it would be a non-controversial uh, title. But uh, again, that just kind of shows the cultural moment that we're in, right? Where yeah. uh, masculinity is toxic, so to speak, right? And and just a title as simple as that, just affirming, no, no, no it's good to be a man can be such a firestorm, right? Uh, because nobody, I'm pretty sure nobody, none of the woke crowd would go off if you, you know, had a book, it's good to be a woman. Right. Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and yeah. I, people would uh, quip, uh, quip back all the time. Oh, well, it's also good to be a woman. Right. Duh. Like, <laughs> um, and it's really, I've, it's been interesting to see mm. how many people think that I wrote things or we wrote things to trigger them. Mm. And what you have to tell them is, look, just because a statement evokes motions in it doesn't mean that's what I was going for. Take mm. responsibility for mm. your own reaction to things like, you know, so it's kind of like if um, it's, I pointed this out in, um, in the Lord of the Rings, there's this um, one uh, moment with Bilbo early on mm. the very beginning of the Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Rings, where basically uh, Gandalf is trying to get Bilbo to leave the ring of power behind, doesn't know it's that ring yet. 
Mm-hmm. And um, and then uh, Bilbo like says, "If I'm angry, it's because you made me angry." Right? He snaps back at Gandalf. Mm-hmm. That's how people are. Like, if I feel this, it's because you made me feel it. Mm-hmm. No. Why are you offended by simple statements? Statements mm-hmm. that weren't not only were they not controversial two hundred years ago. In many cases, these statements were controversial twenty years ago. Or right? Like that's ago. how. <laughs> yeah. That's how fast we've gone down. And people yeah. forget that in America, mm. it was a sodomy was against the law mm-hmm. uh, up to 2006, technically. Yeah. So Lawrence versus Texas was our Supreme Court case. And then we didn't have homosexual marriage until, what, what was that? I don't know. It was just a couple of years ago with the yeah. Burgerfell. And yeah. we've watched was things. Was 2010 this, or something? A little later than that. It, yeah. I was in South Carolina when it went down. So it must have been... I don't know, maybe 14, 15, I can't remember, okay. something in that area. Yeah, so it has recent. not been a decade yet. Yeah, um, wow. And things have, like, now we've got uh, them telling us that trying to make uh, basically pedophilia okay and all that. Things have, like, mm. gone nuts so real quick. And mm. I don't think Christians um, realize sometimes how much they are a frog in a boiling pot. Mm. And so, and then, you know, I've, I've been in the sort of patriarchal side of the church for a long time. I've mostly been in churches mm. that um are really good on on sexuality in one way or another and so i've I've, as i've kind of left that world um i'm like wow it's chaos out here and um and and i've also it it has provided me some insight to where these movements can go wrong Hmm. because i have seen guys uh basically make the father the end all be all where Hmm. he's a replacement for the pastor he's a replacement for the state Hmm. right and um that to talk to anyone in his family, you basically have to go through him, mm. right? That his wife, that he's the one that serves his wife and children in communion, not the pastor, mm. right? And you yeah. see these guys that basically gobble up all the authority and are very controlling mm. and, um, and, and weird and, and very strange uh, people. And, and you see folks come out of these homes, mm. uh, these young women in particular, like I know a young woman that she was 19 and she hadn't even learned algebra yet. She was homeschooled. She hadn't learned algebra. And in the States here, you know, you, you start algebra in either eighth grade or ninth grade. So several mm-hmm. years before you graduate high school, she not only hadn't learned algebra, but she hadn't got her driver's license yet. She was 19. She had never, she still lived wow. at home. She'd never been out. She had, uh, so she had, didn't really have a full high school education. Um, people say, well, that's a modern, um, it's a modern creation or whatever. Okay. Like the particularities, but don't you want her to be with, able to keep with their peers and teach your children, your grandchildren, the basics of math and at least have some understanding of this. And, and if she doesn't have algebra mm-hmm. understanding, that's one thing, but now she doesn't have a driver's license and these things start stacking up. And it's like, why, um, mm-hmm. why are you treating a young woman as if she's like a small child? I don't get it. You know? Um, and so mm-hmm. you do see a sort of hyper patriarchalism, if you want to call it that, but it's like, it's like hyper Calvinism mm. or whatever. It's not even that thing. Mm. It's a different thing. And it's just, it, it flies under the radar, mm. camouflaged as patriarchy. And so, yeah. you know, being associated That's a with good distinction because low heads. And, and you're kind of touching on like something that I wanted to, to, to tease out a little bit, because I think, you know, we've seen some of these distortions, you know, that perhaps, like you said, fly under the radar of uh, patriarchy, but really are not what uh, you're wanting to communicate or, or support at all, or, you know, some not at all in line with the biblical vision. It's more along the lines of um, chauvinism, really, yeah, uh, really. Than, than patriarchy. Um, and particularly, I think you see that from some of these, you know, secular voices within the, the manosphere. And again, it, it's, you know, the error is there. We need to refute the error. But at the same time, too, I think like there's something there that tells us, that informs us about our cultural moment, that the fact that you know, a vast swaths of men are being drawn to these people who clearly have a very chauvinistic vision of, of life, but yet somehow that's resonating. Um, you know, it, it says something. What do you think is, is the lack that these men are feeling that draws them kind of like moths to, to a light bulb uh, to these unhealthy expressions of, you know, distorted manhood, let's say? Sure. Yeah. I was reading this book called Rescuing Ambition mm. by... David Murray, because hmm. um, I've I've got a new podcast coming out, and I have mm-hmm. an episode on ambition. 
I did a, a series of talks on holy ambition. One of the things I've seen with a lot of young men is that they lack ambition, um, that they're not very driven or passionate or whatever, at least not about anything of, of much value. But usually there's kind of a flatness in a lot of guys. There's just not a lot of, they're not very interesting. So mm. I'm like, okay, I should, someone mentioned, oh, David Murray wrote a book on that called Rescuing Ambition. So then I go to read it. And that book, it should be called Apologizing for Ambition. <laughs> you know, the book in of itself, I don't think so far mm. I've disagreed with anything he said. I think like his basic premise and his basic points are right, but it's all like um, bound up in this very nice guy, apologetic tone. Mm. And it's not a call to action, mm. really. That's not how it comes across. Yeah. And I think that's what guys react to most. Like if you think mm -hmm. about, I thought about doing a, a video podcast with my friend, Andrew Isker, where we just, uh, I don't know, we probably call it clips or something. Mm -hmm. And there's all those kind of YouTube clips that you end up watching, you know, over and over again. So it's like Aragon at the black gates, you know, yeah. I see in the, in your eyes, the very fear that would take the heart of, you know, me, a day may come when we break all bounds of fellowship, yada, yada, yada. It's mm -hmm. like this call to arms or whatever. I think guys are reading things. And it, they, there's no ethos. It, it mm. can't connect. It doesn't, it doesn't sound like men. It sounds like yeah. it was written not to offend women, right? Mm. And, it, and, it, it's, and so one of the critiques of our book is that women have a hard time connecting with it. Yeah, yeah. If I wrote a book to women, it wouldn't sound like this, okay? Yeah. I'm yeah. talking to guys. I'm trying to, yeah. I know what resonates with men, and it did resonate with men. Mm. And, uh, and, and a lot of people are mad that we wrote it for men. And so I think what happens is we read things and we're like, I don't really disagree, but it's like listening to a girly, overproduced um, point of grace was this Christian band back in the days when I first became a Christian. It's like five mm -hmm. women, middle-aged women singing about how much they love Jesus. Mm -hmm. So if you look at a lot of their lyrics, you're like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's technically biblical, but it creeps me out. It's like five yeah. middle-aged women singing at me with their like googly eyes and and um, I just couldn't do it. I didn't feel, I couldn't connect, right? Mm. And it's why guys don't, women like rom-coms more than guys and guys like, you know, war movies more than women. So there's right. a, they, they have a hard time connecting because we're yeah. not speaking to them. Everything's a very Absolutely. apologetic for masculinity. And not I, only I'm that, like, I think- We're not gonna apologize. I think the you know when when you do that too much, I, I love the way you phrase it. That it's almost like they're trying to communicate to to not offend women. Um, but yeah. if you're creating content that's specifically geared towards men, you should communicate in a specific way that that um, that men communicate because there are differences, even gender differences, between how we communicate between the sexes. Um, and I think one of the things I've observed that happens when you don't do that, let's say when you have like all these qualifications and warnings and, and whatnot, your message actually dies the death of a thousand qualifications. That Absolutely. there's no clarity to it. There's no, like you said, call to action. There's no gravitas behind it because you've just qualified the, the heck out of the thing that there's no punch to it. And guys kind of need to be punched in the gut sometimes um, to, to really get their butt moving, I guess, especially when you're yeah. dealing with issues of male passivity. Um, so maybe talk to that because that was one of the things that we wanted to, to touch on was, you know, what's the difference between communicating uh, between men and women and should there be a difference right because like i read your book together with my wife and she was kind of squeamish at some parts and so on but she <laughs> she kind of understood like what was going on because i'd kind of tell her no like honey like this is how like men talk and this is how i received this and this was helpful for me and this is why and you know she was like gracious and was like okay I don't get it personally, but I see that you're benefiting from it. So she was happy. Um, but that, that again, illustrated that there is a difference between uh, communication between the genders and how we would communicate to genders. So I'd like for you to tease out maybe a little bit of that. And then we'll, we'll move to like, how should that be reflected in even in the church and preaching? Um, so let's yeah. first talk to, to that. Like, you know, um, is there a difference? Should there be a difference between how we communicate between the sexes? Yeah, there absolutely are, are general uh, differences, right? They, they exist in a distribution. So anytime mm -hmm. you say women talk this way, well, that's how my husband talks. <laughs> Men talk this way, that's how my wife talks. Well, yeah, sure, there are, there's outliers, but mm -hmm. there's general ways. For, so for example, guys tease the crap out of each other. We insult <laughs> each other all the time. And the yeah. insults are not genuine. We're just mm -hmm. messing with each other. To some mm -hmm. degree, it's, it's to take someone's temperature to see if they can roll with it. 
to yeah. make sure that they can that they can hold their own, but also that they can laugh at themselves. Yeah. You want that? Is that yeah. women will compliment each other and not mean it at all? Oh, that's a nice dress. She means that's an ugly dress. You shouldn't be wearing that. That's what that means. And so men insult each other and don't mean it. Women compliment each other and don't mean it. Those are some insults are real for men. Some compliments are real from women. Right. But it it shows one is the way we deal with conflict is men mm. are much more direct. Women are much uh, uh, indirect. When guys, mm. a lot of times when guys are listening to their wife, she's sharing her day. And what we're listening for is what do you want me to do? Mm. Right. We think there's a punchline, a point to the story. And the story ends with some takeaway or some call to action, right? So mm -hmm. I, I, you know, she's asking for help or she's asking me to do something. That's what guys think. Yeah, what can um, I fix? <laughs> yeah, but a lot of times she's just, this is what happened in my life. And mm -hmm. I'm using my words to, 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 net, uh, to knit us together, to build mm -hmm. atmosphere, to build culture. So women are nurturers. And one way you nurture people is through words of affirmation, through words of encouragement, through uh, comfort and all that. So women um, can do that. When guys are, the arms blown off and their guts are out on the battlefield and they're dying, some guys will cry out for their mother, right? Mm -hmm. It's just that it's built in there. Mom was there for us when we were little. Mom put the Band-Aid on there. Mom comforted us. She did all that stuff, right? So mm -hmm. women use their words, just like men's strength, when it's twisted, is violence, right? It causes destruction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Women's words, their linguistic ability, their ability to communicate, when it's twisted, it turns to gossip and slander, it destroys community. But mm -hmm. when it's uh, ordered by grace, right, to the glory of God, words build, uh, knit everyone together, right? Mm -hmm. And so women don't, the, the, the journey is the destination a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Guys, we communicate very mission-based, yep. right? It's, it's, it's uh, more concise, more to the point with a call to action. We don't mm -hmm. just uh, call each other up and say, what's you been up to, man? Like guys, we especially yeah. don't do that now in this age that texts so much. But, yeah. um, but I, I can remember when I was in high school, some of the girls would call up and say, what are you up to? Talking on the phone, you know, to you? What's this about? <laughs> you know, it's like, but, um, <laughs> but guys, so what I think would also, when women read our book, they're very, they can't get out of their head how these words might be misinterpreted and hurt someone else. That's what they're mm -hmm. thinking about. Well, yeah. this person might take it that way. And I'm thinking, I'm not writing to that person. You know, and yeah, they could take it that way. But if, if you and I talk for five minutes, I'll point out to you several different phrases that you use that could be misunderstood. Are we going to mm -hmm. let, are we going to think that way all the time? Is that we're going to let our communication be that mm -hmm. tied up? So I think a woman has a real hard time with a book like It's Good to Be a Man. Not all of them, depends on mm -hmm. their background, but a lot of them do because mm -hmm. they're, they're very concerned about how to deal with conflict in mm -hmm. a good way and how to affirm people and encourage people. That in and of itself is a good inclination, but it's also mm -hmm. part of the reason that women cannot have authority in the church mm -hmm. because when her heretics start preaching heresy, they must mm -hmm. be dealt with in no unmistakable terms they must mm -hmm. be caught out and they will not repent they must be put out of the church and every time you see um women's ordination become commonplace in a denomination it it plunges headlong into heresy mm -hmm. it's happened now mm -hmm. in the states multiple times i think that's because a gift of a woman which is the desire to include knit together to cultivate and all that is put in a, a position where it's not a good thing Mm. Right. Where it's subordinate to the truth. Relationships subordinated to the truth of God are beautiful. Truth subordinated to relationship uh, will lead to compromise and it'll all be about the feels. Mm. And so yeah. I think that's some communication. So I think I always tell uh, wives, look, if you want your husband to do something, just tell him straight up, he'll love you for it. Yeah. And I tell, uh, tell husbands like your wife is just sharing your life with you. Don't rush the conversation, her life mm -hmm. with you. Don't rush the conversation. Don't ask for a punchline. Each men and women need to learn to speak a little ma man, a little woman, right, to mm -hmm. one another. We're mm -hmm. going to be what we are, but part of sanctification through the marriage relationship is coming to understand how we're wired differently to what ends. I think yeah. a lot of guys are in, have androgynous 
assumptions with their wife. They want their wife to talk like a man. Uh, do you want to be intimate with a man? I mean, no, <laughs> not at all. Yeah, so yeah. Th- see the glory in your wife's feminine wiring. She mm. like learned to love a woman for what she is. And, and, mm. and women need to love, learn to love men for what they are. Mm. And, uh, and this is a glorious thing. Yeah, amen. That's good. That's so good, man. Um, so I love that. Let's tease that out now in the context of uh, church life and particularly in the context of, you know, pastors ministering to a mixed congregation because you've got congregations that are made up of both men, both women, right? Um, and, you know, we've established that there is a way to communicate for men and for women. And that makes sense when it's one-on-one, let's say, or in a group of just, you know, uh, only men or only women. Um, how does that play out though in the life of the church? You know, because sometimes we re- recognize that there's an imbalance, let's say, where, you know, uh, a pastor may have a lot of bravado and, and, and you know, boldness in rebuking men for their particular sins. Let's say lost and porn is just, you know, uh, popular ones, but then really hesitant to to come down and rebuke a uh, woman or, or 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 call out those sins in the same way um is this a right thing should there be a difference between you know how a pulpit stewards uh these these t- two different sexes in a mixed congregation and how they communicate these truths to them so one reason guys one reason there's multiple reasons that pastors are willing to be more straightforward with men mm-hmm. number one is they react to it better so sometimes we think it's just because they hate men and it's um, misandry, right? Hatred of mm. men. That, that's a huge, that is a factor. And, and you asked earlier, why do guys like Joe Rogan and Jordan Peterson, why do they go to him? Even though they're saying these kind of rough things. Well, it's just they're, they're straight shooters, and they don't, mm-hmm. but they don't hate men. And so they're like, this guy, this guy is for me. Even if you might challenge me, he's for me. I feel like he's in my corner. He's like, like in a boxing match, you got your corner man or those rappers. Rappers come out and they got their hype guy like, yeah, yeah, that guy, you know, it's always like these guys feel like a hype man. This guy feels like he's in your corner. He's for you. Um, Mm -hmm. And so they, they, they have your back. They they understand your cause. They're sympathetic. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I think um, pastors need to capture that. Let guys know they love, they they understand the struggle. Right. Mm -hmm. As opposed to barking man up at them. Right. A lot of guys say man up. Um, If you don't know how to be a man, that Mm -hmm. is not helpful right? Mm. Get your work done. And your work is something no one's ever taught you how to do. Like screaming, mm. get your work done does very little. It, it, it just actually is like throwing gas on the fires of frustration. It's just going to yeah. make things worse. That's but, facts. Um, I mean, even as something as simple as, you know, men, you need to love your wives. Okay. How? Like play that out for yes. me. Like, like, what does that look like practically? Because the fact is, at least like we're we're situated, majority of the men, especially young men in, in, in church, like never had a healthy father figure in the home or even any father figure in the home. So they have no clue what that means. Um, so and, and, I, I think yeah. like, that's perhaps one of the things that, that really resonates with your content is just super practical. Like this is what this, this looks like, <laughs> you know? That's what I started to realize yeah. is that... Um, mm. I'll just list out like, here's three things you can do. Here's five things. They're not mm-hmm. supposed to be comprehensive. They're just to get you going, to get you moving. It's right. to get you head in the right direction. And then in nature and the Holy Spirit kind of take over. You figure it out as you go. I remember mm-hmm. um, like uh, the younger generation. So I, I've worked in sales all, the majority of my life for collections. It just, you know, I, I have a day job still. Um, I'm pretty fearless on the phone, on a stage, wherever. That's I've been doing that a long time. Um, you can put me on a sales call and and just just tell me the name of the guy and I'll, I don't even need to know what I'm selling. I do that with my salesmen sometimes. Yeah. Um, but some of them started talking to me about their phone anxiety, how they're anxious to get on the phone. And I'm like, mm. phone anxiety? What is this all about? Mm. And so guys, but I started to realize some of these guys just grown up where well, you don't talk on the phone a lot. You text, mm. you have edit buttons. You can kind of type it in there and think about it for a moment. And mm. then you can hit. Send. And if you said, said something wrong on some of our platforms, you delete it real quick, right? Mm-hmm. Where you can't do that on the phone. So there's like a lot of anxiety. And so I was like, all right, so here, let me break down. I'll break down in five points how you can have good phone calls and how you can get confidence and how to react. And I wrote mm-hmm. it down and someone was like, that's super helpful. Then mm-hmm. I put that same content on Twitter, I think. And the guy was like, well, these kids are stupid and they should know that. They should know it, whatever. They don't know it. What do you want? You mm-hmm. want them to keep not knowing it? So I think the reason pastors that tie this back around are willing to speak to men roughly and challenge them 
is that men react to straightforward um, conflict correction. Hmm. Whereas um, with a woman, that does not always go well. Um, hmm. where, where you take it straight on, uh, what will happen is a lot of times you'll, they might not argue with the content of the correction, hmm. but the tone, the way right. it's the way you said it. Hmm. Right. All right. So if I say it in a better way, would you agree with it? Had I said it the exact right way, Mm-hmm. which I'd love to hear what is that right way. So those yeah. guys aren't willing to deal with the fallout. A lot of husbands mm-hmm. are like that. I remember early mm-hmm. in our marriage, um, Emily and I would get in arguments. We've been married. We'll be, we've been together since high school. So we're coming up on 24 years together and 20 years married. Um, nice. And uh, I think we are at 20. Yeah, we're at 20. Oh, we're almost at 25 years together. That's crazy. But um, anyhow, early in our relationship, to get her to admit that she was wrong mm-hmm. on anything was like pulling teeth, man. And I remember one early in our marriage, and to anyone listening, I'm not saying this is what you should do. I'm just saying it's what happened. I decided the next time that she sinned, and it was clear that she sinned, and I could demonstrate from scripture, and there was nothing debatable about her, about it, I would rebuke her, and I wouldn't drop it till she admitted that she had sinned and she was wrong. And so it was like, um, it was like a cowboy, and there was a wild bull, and I knew when I jumped on the back of this bull, he yeah. was going to try to buck me off, but I just had to ride it out. And so I rebuked her and she started to argue with me. And I, mm-hmm. I, I was like, oh, my game. Like I knew she was going to try to get me to talk about something else. And I just kept looping back like, well, yes, I, I have sinned in all those ways. Um, but that's not what this conversation started about. How about we deal with this thing? And then we can talk about my sin. Right. Let's talk about the thing first. Right. Every little trick in the, in the book. Right. And then. Like six hours later, like she's cried, whatever. She admits that she's wrong and she, uh, she apologizes and I accept, accept it and whatever. I always tell people, there's a movie over here, the Rocky series, a boxer. And at Rocky two, basically Apollo Creed and Rocky beat the crap out of each other for 12 rounds or 14 <laughs> rounds. Yeah. And then they both knock each other down and they fall down in the last round. And it's mm-hmm. whoever stands up is the one that wins. That's what that felt like. Hmm. It to get her to do that, to like hold my ground, not get angry, not say crazy things, because husbands will get, they'll start making ultimatums and, and threat and threatening and trying to hmm. use intimidation. But just to stand my ground, know what you do is wrong. It's a sin. You should call it a sin. Jesus died on the cross for that. You, Jesus died on the cross for you, right? Because hmm. he died on the cross for sinners. You do, in fact, sin. And those sins are like we can name a sin, right? It's not just sin hmm. in a generic way. So pastors do not want to deal with that from a mm-hmm. whole congregation of women. And they don't want men coming and complaining to them, hey, what you said offended my wife. <clears throat> so you have to be willing, you have to be willing to go that hard sometimes. Now, in mm-hmm. long, now my wife is a joy to be, a, she was always a joy, but she's a very humble woman. A woman mm-hmm. And like all of us, sometimes we will try to defend ourselves when we shouldn't. But these mm-hmm. days, that's not the nature of our relationship and certainly yeah. She and I are both sanctified. You have to be willing to put it in. And I, I did mm-hmm. a whole sermon on accident. It, it fell on a Mother's Day. This wasn't on purpose. <laughs> and the name of the sermon I had planned out like six months beforehand was called Christian Women's Sin. And it's um, Iodia uh, Satyki in Philippians. Yeah. Or Syneke. How do you say her name? Syneke. Uh, they're, they're co-laborers in the Gospels, but they're at odds with each other. And Paul's mm-hmm. telling them in Philippians, you got you to gotta broker peace between these women. The reason yeah. he's doing that is unity is a major theme in Philippians. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want that, that uh, disunity of two women to spread to the whole congregation. My whole point mm-hmm. is like, here we have mature, godly women who Paul calls co-laborers. So he sees them mm-hmm. as servants to the church. And he's saying like, they're at odds with one another. They have to like work the sin out. And mm-hmm. my point is you women sin. You mm-hmm. sin. I should be able to tell all of you, you sin. If you're a mature Christian, you know mm-hmm. your sin and you know you need to be corrected for it. Pastors mm-hmm. have to be willing to do that, but they do have to adjust their tactic. You do have mm-hmm. different voices. You know, yeah. I don't talk to my, my four-year-old the way I talk to my 15-year-old. I don't talk to a man older than me the way I talk to a peer. I don't mm-hmm. talk to men and women in an identical fashion. Mm-hmm. That's called wisdom. It's, it's appropriate mm-hmm. speech. It's, fitting, it's a speech appropriate to um, the situation. So what we don't need is mm-hmm. pastors, again, getting androgynous, treating men and women the same. 
They're going to rebuke women with the same intensity as they're going to rebuke men. Mm. You're going to have to use different tactics. That's wisdom. And and so that's the, you see a lot of this in this conversation. It's kind of like, uh, no one rebukes women. We should tell them how they're terrible. And we should talk about how (laughs) prostitutes is this major theme in scripture all the time for heresy. Like, yeah, yes, but you can't isolate these truths from other truths. They all fit Mm -hmm. together, man. And you're getting like, you're like a robot, you know. Yeah. You fi- and you got to balance you know, that with like what First yeah. Peter says about treating your wife in an understanding way that she's the weaker vessel. So he's Absolutely. he's uh, acknowledging these gender differences and the fact that you need to treat a woman different to how you treat a, a man, uh, especially in regards to this. So now I want to respect your time. Um, there's a couple of things I want um, to sure. still cover with this. So let's do just rapid fire kind of uh, away. Okay. Right? Yeah. Um, so you know you've talked a lot about um, effeminacy and the sin of a feminacy before. Um, I'd love for you to just kind of define that. Like, why is effeminacy a sin? How would you define it um, biblically, right? Um, what, what is it? And, you know, how do you repent of that if it is a sin? Sure. So mm-hmm. if you dig up two skeletons, a male and a female, one of the main ways you're going to be able to identify which is what is the hips. A woman's hips are uh, designed differently than a male hip, so she can, uh, so because in part because of the birth canal, so she can give birth to, to um, babies. Uh, when she is on her cycle, especially uh, when she's uh, fertile, uh, a lot of her ligaments, whatever, kind of soften, so her hips will sway more. When a woman walks, she has a sway. That's because there's a difference in her, her bone skeletal structure and because also, again, during her up cycle, that's happening. If you see a man sway his hips, it's kind of repugnant. Now, why is it repugnant? Well, there's no skeletal reason for that to be happening. It's an affect. He's mm-hmm. walking like a woman. Men walk like a woman sometimes as a joke in movies or whatever. But uh, when a man walks like a woman, he's, he's adopting something that is beautiful on a woman mm-hmm. and normal on a woman, but repugnant on a man because it's not natural. It goes against his nature. It doesn't make any sense. It's an mm. affect, right? He's posturing. He's taking on the affect of a woman for some reason. Mm. Now, it could be because he's a homosexual. Um, so our synechoite is the Greek word for that. But it could also be because he's malakoi, which is a feminine. Mm-hmm. So malakoi and a synechoite are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. One is, ex- so homosexuality is a sexual expression of being Malakoi, but Malakoi is what uh, comes before that, mm. which is a guy acting like a woman in some way. Mm-hmm. He's being effeminate. Yeah. So he's going and against- It literally just means softness, right? Yeah, softness. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, like women's skin uh, yeah. is softer and tears easier than male skin, mm. right? Uh, women's bones are more rounded, where men's bones are much more angular. Mm. Um, that's, I mean, these are basic biological differences that are well known. So when a man takes on a, a feminine attribute, it's a feminine. It's not to say that femininity in itself is bad. Mm. It's to say femininity on a man is, is bad. Mm. And so effeminacy is where a guy acts like a woman um, in his relationships. It is effeminate mm. for a man. A great example. It is uh, a man making himself an object of beauty to be stared at mm. is effeminate. If it's wrong for a woman to be vain, uh, it's wrong for a man, but it's also natural for a woman to care about her beauty. Every woman knows they're judged on their beauty. Every man knows that he's judged on his strength. If you go through scripture, um, you'll see the constant warning to women to, to recognize that physical beauty in itself is fleeting mm-hmm. and that while physical beauty in of itself is good and praiseworthy, uh, it's not going to hang around. So make sure you have the uh, inner beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, mm-hmm. all the virtues and characteristics that go alongside with it. Yeah. So that it's a natural for a woman to be tempted to exalt uh, her beauty in a way that's not godly. Mm-hmm. Men, though, aren't judged on their beauty. Not that our appearance doesn't matter, but men tend to dress in a very functional way, mm-hmm. right? Women will tease men about wearing cargo sh- shorts, but guys just like that they got a bunch of pockets. Right. Yeah. Um, and guys will wear very functional things. So lazy guys just will throw on 
um, sweats is because it's easy and they can get they can go to work real quick or whatever. It is effeminate for a man to spend exorbitant amounts of time on cultivating beauty. It doesn't make sense. Hmm. And so that would be one way. The, the problem is with effeminacy is all these things exist uh, on a spectrum of sorts. Hmm. And what people want is like, oh, I want a style guy. Tell me what is and isn't a feminine dress. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, we know there is a way a woman dresses and a way a man dresses. And it tends to be tied to their vocation. So when we talk about in, in the Old Testament where it's wrong for a woman to dress like a man, it's not telling women they can't wear pants per se. So might, that might be an application people get down to. But it's saying that our dress, um, the way we carry ourselves, uh, is to be reflective of, of who God has made us uh, in the roles that we're in. Mm, that's good. And so effeminacy is something like that. Like guys... Um, guys that are really roundabout talkers, indirect in conflict. Mm -hmm. I would call that effeminate. But a woman, like guys, we, we can solve things with our fists. And, like we, and we'll actually be friends afterwards. I'm not mm -hmm. saying that's what you should, but when guys get in fights, mm -hmm. they sometimes become closer friends afterward. Yeah. When women get in fight, in physical fights, they hate each other for the rest of life. <laughs> you know, yeah. And it's just women, that's why women use their tongue they're uh, indirect means to destroy the reputation of a person where a guy mm. must rather beat the crap out of them, right? Yeah. And, and so that effeminacy, I think, is I think uh, gossip is uh, effeminate and mm. a man and sinful. I don't see gossip as, a, uh, as effeminate in a woman. I do see it as sinful, mm. right? Yeah. And, um, and so that's, that's where you start to get to some of those ideas and work through mm. it. Um, how, do you, how do you repent of it? Well, a lot of the ways you repent of effeminacy, I would just say go through the book of uh, Proverbs. And look, mm. like one of the, probably the way that most guys struggle with it is not, not having direct speech. Mm. So I'd say working on having direct, plain speech, mm. not letting people, you know, a lot of guys want everyone to like, uh, take this, this happens a whole lot with uh, married men. Uh, he wants to have sex with his wife a whole lot. And so he's like walking around the house, cleaning stuff or doing stuff and hoping that she will. Just volunteer, honey, yeah. would you like to have sex? Right, she might do that. But another guy, one way a guy can, and then he gets mad if she doesn't guess that, right? He right. resents her that she doesn't, she's not able to read his mind. That's effeminate. Look mm. at her and say, baby, you are beautiful. I would want nothing more to be intimate with you tonight, right? Let's, uh, let's finish up what we're doing here and, and go, go down, down, you know, go to the bedroom and renew our covenant, right? Mm. And, and, and enjoy each other. Learning just to be very direct in what you tell people, learning to say no, that's another one. Like, hey, can mm. you help me do this tomorrow? And so you, you want to please the guy. So you say, oh, I, I'll try. And then you don't show up, right? Well, if mm. you can't do it, just say, man, I wish I could help you, but I can't because I have this commitment. Let me know next time, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, just, and, and the guys, they know they can count on you. That mm. if you show up, if you say you're going to be there, your wife learns, if you say you're going to do something, that you're going to do it. And, and I always tell guys to, one way to become less effeminate is stop making promises that you're not going to keep. Just make less. Yeah. Just cut them in half. Mm. So cut them in half and keep the other stuff. And people yeah. start saying, at least you're a man of, of your word. Yeah, at least you're known word. for that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's your reputation as a, as a man of his word is, is, is worth more than mm. anything, right? So mm. those are some places to start. Yeah. And then uh, the analogy I'll give you, I know we got to close here soon, is uh, the bike chain analogy. Um, so with a bike, uh, the, if the chain falls off of it, a bicycle, you mm -hmm. flip it over and you've got the two gears and you take the chain and you wrap it perfectly around one and then start it on another because if it's, if it's tight enough, it can't, it doesn't pop on super easy. And then as you turn the pedals, it mm -hmm. pops the chain on. Mm -hmm. So what you find is you can't get the chain on perfectly without taking action. Right, mm. taking small steps. So I tell guys mm. like, look, you don't need, uh, you don't need GPS instructions, right? You just need a topographical map and a and a um, compass. Mm. And so start taking actions. And these things, like they they feed each other. They they mm. it, it's um it's kind of like cumulative interest, right? It's a like good yeah. ROI comes from it. So just take a few steps mm. and watch how you change. 
You yeah. know, for yeah. me, learning just to wake up every morning early and order my day ended up causing I have to record for my new episode. Uh, I have a new podcast called Practical Theology, and it's all about looking at the theology behind certain practices and the practical consequences of theology. So I'm mm. like my first so episode <laughs> is on sleep. It's mm. all on the importance of sleep, what scripture teaches about sleep, how you shouldn't get too much, you shouldn't get too little, mm. how how we actually get better sleep, that one of the main things that keep people from sleeping mm. is anxiety. And the way you deal with anxiety is through prayer. Yeah. And in and so it's like each episode basically opens with the topic, explains it, and ends with a simple plan on how to take action on those things. So I'm looking at my whiteboard here, one is on sleep, ambition, rhythm, avoiding uh, being frivolous. How do you develop margin in your life? Um, mm. How do you get a command presence? How do mm. you get better at, at, at your speech and listening? Mm. Really practical stuff that I feel like guys need to know about. Yeah. But when I started to take my sleep more serious, it had very, and I for years was abusive to my body. I mean, just mm. drank so much caffeine, slept like five hours. You know, I, just, I don't know, I'll probably die in my 60s because of this. Um, yeah. I just ran myself into the ground. And I thought that was manly. No, mm. it means you have no discipline. And so mm. when I started to exercise self-discipline over sleep, God blessed it. And it's it, it just it, the mm. momentum from it. Yeah, you that's know? so good, man. That's it's so great. good. And it's, it's so needed. And again, it, it points out just this lack, right? Like those are disciplines and things that men historically would have learned from their fathers, from even observing their fathers. Even if it wasn't explicitly taught, it was caught, right? And I think a lot yep. of manhood is caught rather than taught. Um, so it, it does speak to the moment. And I think there's a great need for ministries like that. How about uh, before we end off here, I wanted to, wanted to give you an opportunity to give a good plug for that. You said, you know, you already mentioned it, practical theology. Where can people find you? Where can they follow you? Where can they get your resources? Um, yeah, feel free to just plug it. Sure. sure. I'm most um, active on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I think I'm at that 5,000 limit on friends. You're welcome to follow me in there and interact. Um, I usually post uh, different versions of the same content to Twitter and Facebook. Twitter's got that character limitation, so you do what you can. You know, yeah. I always call it um, retarded haiku. <laughs> so <I'm> trying <laughs> to figure out how to say, uh, say things. But um, yeah. anyhow, uh, so follow me on Twitter. This is Foster, T-H-I-S-I-S-F-O-S-T-E-R. Um, that's where I post links to everything. Uh, the, the podcast was supposed to be out earlier, just took longer than I thought. So I think probably this Monday, the first mm. episode should probably be out if iTunes works with me. It'll be on all iTunes, right. Spotify, Podcast Attic, all, all those different directories. You'll be able to find it. And awesome. um, so that's that's where I'm most active. Then um, there's a newsletter that we do for It's Good to Be a Man called Discipleship and Dominion, I think, or Dominion and Discipleship. I forget. Um, but we, that goes out almost every Saturday. And yeah. uh, and that's uh, kind of non and I stuff. And there'll be a lot of stuff on marriage coming out soon because we have mm. started. It's good to be a husband. We just started that uh, a week ago. Nice. And um, we were Is debating if we were going to do it. And how, yep, yep. We awesome. decided to, to knock that yeah. out. So uh, my projects this year is Practical Theology, finishing a book on the death of my daughter. Um, mm. and then um, And then It's Good to be a Husband. I'm hoping... I think we, we've got about 30,000 to 50,000 words on marriage that we haven't mm. published. Um, <clears throat> and we're going to go back through, edit it down. And the, the goal of that marriage book is not to cover territory that's already been covered by like when sinners say I do or reforming marriage. We don't want to, again, we'd rather fill in the mm. gaps yeah. and speak to those issues than try to create this comprehensive guide. Um, mm. So I'm sure it'll be a book loved and praised by all. And there will be only positive press because <laughs> people love yeah. biblical marriage, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I love yeah. that you Those, guys are trying to fill that me. space, though. Yeah, I like that you're trying to fill that space. That you're not trying to redo everything that's already been done really well. But that you're seeing that there's yeah. holes. We need to fill those in. Uh, so your book's not meant to be comprehensive, but it's meant to fill in those holes. Uh, and just I hope that uh, that your hearers, readers uh, understand that as they approach the, the material, because I think like just knowing that kind of going in helps you so much better to put this in context. Um, anyways, thanks so much for your time, man. Uh, I'm going to actually throw a curveball to you. Right? Sure. Um, so on the spot, what's your favorite dad joke that you tell that gets your kids to roll their eyes? 
well, there's a knock knock who's there yeah. interrupting. I interrupt you who, right? Like, <laughs> move. You say move, right? Or you do the lawyer version, knock knock who's there interrupting lawyer, interrupting lawyer. Uh, I object. Uh, <laughs> or what do you call someone else's cheese? You know, nacho cheese. But nice. we, uh, we actually uh, sometimes when I'm too fried to do family devotions around the table, hmm. I'll, I'll just lift up, uh, I'll open up on my phone terrible dad jokes. <laughs> and we'll read dad jokes around the table and I'll, I'll groan at them. So, yeah, but there That's you go. Awesome. There's a couple of them. That's so good, man. I love that. And it's good to have a joyous household, right? That's part of a healthy household and part of healthy Amen. manhood and leading your family. Well, yeah. Awesome. Well, that's a good place Amen. for us to Thank stop. You. Um, you guys, I'll, Put all of the links in the description of this episode that you can get onto uh, Pastor Foster's uh, works. And thanks again, man. God bless. Also, just want to make it clear that I am not a church. I am not your pastor either, right? So make sure that you are listening with good, um, your, your Berean cap on, right? Uh, making sure that it, everything that is being put forward to you is biblical, but also remember that you are called by the Bible itself to submit to your local elders, right? So um, con- you know, continue to enjoy the content, process it biblically, uh, but also wrestle through it perhaps with your local pastors, right? Um, have conversations with them about some of the things that you're uh, perhaps encountering, right? I want uh, to never subvert God's order for his, his, his body, his church, right? And he's set up uh, authority structures for us to submit to for our own good, right? Uh, his word says that they're shepherding our souls, right? Um, so make sure that you continue to um, respect and to honor the ones that he's made shepherds over your soul to guard you, right? Also, if you are not a member of a local church where you're involved and being cared for by qualified men and elders, then you need to get your butt into a church. Find a church, commit. No church you're gonna find is gonna be perfect, right? But this is the structure that God has implemented for us to grow in as men. And listen, you cannot be a godly patriarch exercising godly authority in your home if you are not also able to submit to godly authority that he's put over you, right? If you expect your wife to be a godly submissive wife to your God-given authority, she needs to see that you know what it means to live under authority, right? So this whole thing about these floater, lone wolf Christian men, that should stop, right? Um, If you are a godly man who's pursuing godly manhood, get yourself plugged into a local church under the care and, and, and... and pastoring and shepherding of local qualified elders. Oh, also, I totally forgot to mention this, but you can also support the work of Theotivity. Uh, Not that I'm trying to get rich or anything. By no means, this is not making me any kind of profit, really. Uh, That is a labor of passion. But if you find value from Theotivity and the content that I'm putting out here, please, I'd encourage you to support whatever you can afford. Um, you'll see a donation link down at the bottom of uh, this episode where you can go and donate. And again, make sure that this is not taking away from your obligations to support your local church, right? Uh, Don't don't neglect that or any other Christian charities that you may be supporting. This is if you uh, have excess or surplus that the Lord has blessed you with, that you think it will be a good stewardship to support this ministry, then I'd more than gladly welcome that and appreciate that so much. All right, so I hope that you guys enjoyed that interview as much as I did and some super helpful clarifications and content. You know, I think it's so important uh, to keep in mind what uh, Mr. Foster said about, you know, not falling off on the extremes, right? Like um, even Foster himself is affirming that there are gendered ways that we communicate these truths to females and males, right? That we don't talk the same to both and we can't flatten the distinctions even as we get passionate about some of this material. I know um, sometimes that can be uh, a, a, a danger that young men will fall into that they, they're like, you know, I've been looking for instruction and in what it means to be a, a godly man and they get so fired up and passionate about it that they let that passion and zeal overflow but without wisdom, right? Uh, we have to be wise about how we communicate these things still continuing to be gracious in our communications and still understanding that a lot of people are on this journey uh, of growth, right? Like we didn't, uh, you didn't arrive at your convictions overnight. It took some time and people are along a journey and we need to help them along, try to communicate in a way that will help them as well too. Um, so like I said, all of the links will be in the description for this episode to get to Foster's uh, um, resources and his website as well. Look forward to his new project of um practical theology and also it's good to be a husband definitely look out for that follow him on socials if you're on those things 
Um, in terms of Theotivity, if you've not already signed up for our newsletter, please do. Uh, that newsletter comes out every month with helpful resources from Theotivity and also outside of that and some free resources every now and then are dropped on there. So I want to give you value for uh, signing up through email to keep updated. Also, you can also follow us on social media. Until next time, solely deal glory. Thanks for listening to the Theotivity podcast. If you found this content helpful or edifying, please leave a review on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, follow us on social media and consider sharing this episode to help Theotivity reach others as well. Check out Theotivity.com for resources, info on how to support, and subscribe to our monthly newsletter to stay up to date on all the latest content. Until next time, live and create to the glory of God.